Hi, it's Seb Lee Delal and this is the Creative Coding Podcast. There's no Ian this week, it's just me, but I've got a really special episode all about JavaScript and hardware. So as you might know, there's quite a few different ways to get started with electronics and we've talked about it a lot on the show. I mean, obviously, you've got Arduino, which is... You know, a nice little circuit board. You can program it with C++ and there's loads of resources all over the internet to help you get started. It's just really friendly. And secondly, there's the Raspberry Pi, which it's usually programmed in Python. I mean, you can work with Node.js, but really most of the good libraries and the up-to-date stuff is still done in Python. But there are other ways to program electronics with JavaScript. There's a couple of exciting new platforms that have JavaScript compilers actually on board. And you've probably heard of the two biggest ones. One is Tessel, but the other one is Esperino. And today's special guest is Gordon Williams, who who is the man behind Esperino. So Esperino is a tiny little prototyping board, um, but they plug into your USB port and you can program them in JavaScript. They've got a little 32-bit ARM chip on board, similar to those that you'd find on the Teensy or other 32-bit platforms. And I must admit, this interview gets a little bit geeky, but hopefully I won't lose you too much. But if I do, please feel free to get in touch and ask. And on the next episode, I'll clarify a few of the terms that we used. I started off by asking Gordon really the story behind Esperino and how it all happened. Ages and ages ago, I was doing stuff with PIC microcontrollers. And at the time, there wasn't a free C compiler for them. You mm. had to just write in this crazy sort of 32 instruction assembler. It was fine for flashing lights on and off, but a disaster for anything else. And I saw all these... How long ago was that? Uh, probably 10 years, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Started a bit over that. But yeah, about yeah. 10 years ago. Yeah. And the processors were starting to get a lot more powerful, but the tools were still really, really shitty. <laughs> or, or like they were good tools, but you had to pay lots of money for them. Yeah. And I'm just a cheapskate. So I found there are also a load of these ARM development boards were coming out again really really powerful really cool things really really cheap but the tools for them were really bad again like so about six seven years ago maybe it was still at the stage where on linux you basically had to build your own gcc and the learning curve yeah yeah so the learning curve for it was just absolutely crazy and (laughs) i'd just get to this stage where i'd spend like two hours setting up the tool chain and i'd get to the kind of hello world blink the light kind of thing i'd be like oh sod this yeah um i mean it's slightly out of out of scope of what i'm meant to be talking about but i I got the feeling i get the feeling that's why Arduino became really popular, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, I mean, at the time, if you wanted to change to a different pit, you'd often have to like rewrite your code, right? Mm, and that's, yeah. I suppose, where Arduino just slotted in. Yeah, has that nice abstraction layer. It, it doesn't give you quite the low-level stuff, but realistically, like 99.9% of people never use any of the more crazy hardware features. Yeah. So, you know, why bother making their lives harder? Right. So so did what point did you think that maybe JavaScript would be a good idea? I actually wanted something that was a bit a bit like C. I mean, it's, it sounds awful, but I, I wanted something that had that form that you could you could have code that almost looked like Arduino code, like you could almost copy-paste it. Yeah. But also I wanted something that had good string support and that was kind of friendly, that wouldn't just break. And yeah, JavaScript actually seemed like quite a good choice. If I'd have known like just how many quirks it had, I might have <laughs> I might have had second thoughts about it. 
But the best languages don't necessarily become the most popular, and, and JavaScript has become amazingly popular, whether it's it's good or not. And you know, the fact that so many people know how to use it is a real bonus. Yeah, totally. So I'm just trying to figure out how this came to be. I mean, you just decided oh, I'm going to make a, a controller which runs on JavaScript. Well, so I'd made actually nightclub visuals. I'd been like a, actually while at the university, I was trying to learn OpenGL, and I just ended up doing this this stuff. Um, so when you say visuals, like projected screen based visuals yeah VJing type mm. stuff so I was doing some of that and in order to script the scenes to to choose which scene went where I'd come up with this really really dodgy single file JavaScript interpreter and at some point I just thought well why can't I run this on a microcontroller whoa whoa <laughs> Who else would think, oh, I just need to switch scenes. Let's write a JavaScript. <laughs> how did that? Who would think that? I, I don't know where did that come from. I don't. I just I had a quick look round and like all I could find were like really, really big, heavy things that were right. a real pain to, to pull in. So um, so you've got your I'm just gonna gloss over that. <laughs> that's that's so seems so crazy to me. But obviously good because then you've written your own JavaScript interpreter and mm. that's that's what ended up being the basis for Esperino. Yeah, yeah, more or less. Or I ended up rewriting it. Yeah. Of after course. I realised it didn't work. But you know, the appreciative concept and in fact to be fair, someone someone did it before me they got it running this this little tiny single file one on on embed um while i was having a play around with it as well well your so, your interpreter that you wrote someone else got running. yeah so i published this thing i it's called tiny js but it, it really is horrible um but, but <laughs> someone else had actually got it running and yeah i thought you know this this is it's really really good to have something that was actually targeted a bit more to it yeah so you decided to to actually make your own little boards at that point presumably yeah so I, I actually spent a year with producing it for a whole bunch of other people's boards I thought it'd be really cool just to have this thing that would would run on you know as many of these boards as possible and you know and just to get people started in because the tool chain was such a mess at the time mm. and so when was this four or five years ago I think right. so just before the kickstarter I'd had this idea that I might be able to like make it freemium or something to charge for the ability to save the code and realistically it was awful I made 30 pounds I think in the entire year it's a complete disaster and and one of the reasons was that actually and the situation has got a lot better now but to even write the binary onto the board you needed to install special tools and they were really not very user-friendly so that thing I was trying to solve to to get started quickly it, you still had this huge hurdle. So so really, like, having boards with it pre-installed was the way forward. Right, OK. So when you say you wanted Esperino on these other boards, presumably at this stage is more than just the interpreter, or is it just the JavaScript interpreter? Is there extra stuff? So there's, there's like, this web IDE that makes it a bit more friendly to program. But, I mean, the, the initial idea is just that you can, you can take this board, any one of these boards with it on, plug it in, and, like, instantly start typing javascript code and have it run so you plug it into your computer and then you go into the web ide and mm. then you can write code directly on that computer yeah and presumably it's not like compiled into your your controller at all it's it's the javascript file is transferred over that your main sort of firmware 
loads in and runs, right? Yeah, yeah. So the web IDE is not actually doing anything too clever. You can use any kind of terminal application to write simple, simple code. So it's just really a bridge between the two things. Yeah. And so the Esprino itself isn't providing the web interface. That's something you're running locally. Yeah. But it's ultimately sort of a serial connection through or yeah, something it's, like it's that? Yeah, it's just a simple, you know, you just send characters. So like the easiest case, you can just take your code, copy it and paste it into a terminal program. Or in fact, like in um, Linux or, or Mac OS, you can literally just copy it to the device and it will... It's uh, just a file transfer. Yeah. Right, yeah. so is, does it tend to be like storage? Well, no, I mean, it, it just it executes everything it you tell it. So in a right. way, um, if you type a function, it kind of executes that function declaration and then that's kind of loaded the function. But if you were to say A equals 1 plus 2 it wouldn't store that. It would actually have executed it and would set A to the value 3. You did the first Kickstarter. There's been, what, another one since then? Yeah, yeah. Two different types of boards? Yeah, so the first board was... I I wanted something that was kind of quite fun for people to to solve the stuff onto and... And to be honest, I don't think it was really what a lot of people wanted. Um, I le- learned a lot after, you know, after seeing how people started using it. And ST, who make the chips, while I was actually in the process of shipping out the first boards, they came up with a chip that was quite a lot smaller and more powerful and and just better all around. So I thought I'd make like this smaller board with it on, with the pins pre-installed, because a lot of people don't want to get into soldering. You know, it's yeah. nice just to be able to take this thing, poke it on a breadboard and just push stuff into the breadboard. Right, so in its current format, I mean, it's really small, isn't it? I've got mm. one. Mm. <laughs> so it's, it's tiny. So presumably it's, you've got GPIOs on there. Yeah. What, and it's an ARM chip, is it? Yeah. Is it the same one as in the Teensy? No. Um, I think it might be marginally more powerful. Right. I'm, I'm not sure. It might not have the same clock speed. So it's yeah. 84 megahertz, but it's got 384k flash. The, the chip is such that there's actually 512k, but, you know, ST just don't tell you that. And then it's got 96k of RAM. So it's quite well sorted. And then because you're running the interpreter, I mean, it's got pulse width modulation on pretty much all the pins. It's got a bunch of analogs, serial SPI, I squared C. But you can also do things like you can do software SPI. Um, you can do software pulse width modulation on any pin. So it, it just kind of makes things a bit more friendly. Yeah, and I've done a lot of work with Arduino and electronics and Raspberry Pi. And I guess what you need is like good libraries, isn't it, for mm. a lot of the more complicated Mm. Uh, hardware components, yeah. you know, like the the LED driver chips or mm. you know the wireless chips or whatever. Have, yeah. you, have you managed to build up quite a good, strong collection of libraries? Is yeah, it, is it from the community or are you doing it yourself? Um, it's it's a bit of both actually. Yeah. So um, so people in the community are contributing quite a lot of stuff, and I've been trying to effectively come up with a, a repository of all this stuff. So if you go onto the Esprino site, you can use the search box, and if you type in I don't know, radio, it'll come up with all the different types of radio that are there supported. And every page has like a driver, it has example code, it has a documentation of of all the things you can do. And that was something that I found really difficult with Arduino. I mean, they've, again, things have improved massively. But when I started, they didn't actually have very many libraries on the Arduino site. Mm. And then you're trying to find out how to control something and you find like five different libraries, all of which are different, but some, some half work, some don't work well some are better documented and it was a complete toss-up yeah i mean that's that's the problem of having a really successful project isn't yeah. 
yeah. that you just have a ton of community contributed stuff that's not always yeah. particularly easy to sort through. It's say the same with the Raspberry Pi, mm. right? Yeah. So you did a Kickstarter for your first board. Mm. Presumably people were very excited about the prospect of programming electronics in JavaScript, right? Mm. Do you think that's what really captured people? I think so, yeah. I mean, I, I think it was probably kind of the, the ease of getting started. But yeah, I mean, there was definitely a lot of interest from the point of view of Internet of Things type devices and stuff like that. It's kind of an, an ongoing thing, but in a way, there are so many different platforms for getting on the internet at the moment. You know, I, it, I don't really want to, or didn't want to pick one horse in particular because it, you know, I, I could have picked, I don't know, uh, these sort of Nordic NRF24 chips. And, and actually, it would have been a complete disaster because nobody uses those anymore. What's that? Is that a Wi Fi chip or? No, it's, it's kind of a, that one's a 2.4 gig radio. Right. And, and effectively, it's the precursor to Bluetooth Low Energy. Right. I it's see. almost the same sort of type wise. of radio, but um, no standard. So, so how much funding were you trying to get on your first Kickstarter? I had no idea at all. Um, it was on actu- It was actually on Kickstarter, though. Yes, yeah. So it you was. had to put in a, a, an amount, right? Oh, yes, yeah, I did, didn't I? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think I put in about ten thousand. Yeah, I think. which would have been how many? Like a thousand boards or something? I, only about five hundred, I right. think. I think they were about twenty yeah, pounds yeah. on the first Kickstarter. And I think it did really well, didn't it? From yeah, memory? it it, um, it got just over 100,000 so that's that was amazing because it, it and it, it probably wouldn't have but it, it just got there right at the point and like that everyone seemed to really get behind it and just want to push it up to 100 so and, and so how many boards did you have to make like 5,000 um just doing some maths in my head there. yeah it was um Is that right <laughs> I, I did some kits as well, so it wasn't yeah. just the boards. Right, so sure, I think sure. in the end, I ended up getting 4,000 made. And then I think I actually had to ship about 3,300. I presume that was kind of a crazy learning curve. Like trying to, yeah. you know, you suddenly had to be in the point of view of like manufacturer and distributor. and Yeah, t- totally. And to be honest, I was I was really lucky that the company I'd used called Seed. I'd, I'd Seed kind of, Studios yeah, in, so in China. China, yeah. Yeah. I'd, I'd heard a bit about With three E. Yes. Seed, yes. Um, I mean, they're they're pretty well known. They make a lot of kits and... Yeah. I've got some of their stuff. They're they're really good at the sort of, I guess, open hardware kind of things. Mm. Um, And they did this really nice little kit of maybe 200 parts. And you basically bought the kit and then you had a website that every one of those parts, you know, it links to the data sheet. It's actually, they give you the part outline for Eagle CAD, which is like a... um, Know, PCB design package and that's always one of the really frustrating things is you find this cool new part but then you've got to make the part outline for it and you'll you'll send off for the PCB you'll spend a bunch of money and you'll realise you've got it wrong so are you talking about the process of actually designing the boards and having them produce or are you talking oh, about a well, kit that you bought from them well or? yeah so this is the thing so they produce this kit and you've, you've got all these outlines you can you make your circuit with that you you kind of put the stuff from the kit on it like so you know if you want a diode you just use the one that they have but then if you ask them to make your design they've got all of this stuff in stock so it's like really really quick you know you don't have to worry about any of the sourcing any of the components it just it suddenly made it really interesting yeah it was it was amazing and i completely fell into it because Mm. the second one i got made in in england because i thought hey it'd be really cool to do something you know in the country and you know the company was fine but i was just exposed suddenly to 
sourcing all of this. You know, every single component you had to get the part number and a distributor for, and the right distributor. And then you you like so you're making four thousand boards, but then these things only come in packets of three thousand five hundred. You end up with you know, <laughs> having to buy seven thousand of these stupid diodes yeah. that you you can't do anything with unless, until you use them all up. So I'm not sure I'm that familiar with the first board. Obviously, I know the second board, which is like super compact and it's got the sort of cut out edges for putting pins on and for soldering directly to other boards, really. It's so tiny and it just slides into your USB. Um, Was the second Kickstarter a similar sort of story in terms of the numbers? Um, Yeah, so it was a bit less, actually. I think that came, it was about 67,000 that got and yeah i mean actually at that, at that point i was kind of i was kind of hoping it might have done a bit better than the first one because i i thought i'd kind of like i i thought i was doing what people wanted out of the first one but yeah i mean i, I think i was just a bit bit optimistic with it but yeah i mean that actually the response Still not bad, is really it? really good yeah grand. i know yeah and you know effectively it's just me doing it but most of the time you know there's there's no venture capital or anything so it helps a huge amount when get something like that in is that is this your job now uh yeah it is so i've just been working on it full time you know supporting users trying to add new stuff maybe looking at new products and things so i mean kickstarter has been a, a huge help for stuff like that because uh, i basically beforehand if, if that first kickstarter hadn't happened there probably wouldn't be an esprino now because i i really wouldn't have been able to justify doing that much more work on it when you know i make 30 pound a year out of it and spending all my time supporting people yeah i mean obviously people looking at the kickstarter probably like oh 100 grand you must be loaded but of course you know the <laughs> well, reality of it is usually quite a lot different isn't it yeah and and it's it's kind of surprising how you know you you think you've marked it up quite a lot but then actually <laughs> like there are so many things you never think of and you get stung for for tax on various things and you know import duties and 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 then um kickstarter and and the payment processes together you end up paying about 10 percent of everything you make on kickstarter and everything just eats away really quickly so it didn't actually last that long but (laughs) when i talk to people it it turns out that a lot of people actually end up losing money on kickstarter because they especially if you think you might be able to manufacture something yourself you cost it all up for putting stuff yourself and then if you make if you have to get a bigger order and you can't do it yourself the second you get someone else in their time's actually worth much more than you tend to value yourself at yeah <laughs> making physical stuff i mean it's just a nightmare really isn't it mm. but you've done it and it seems to be going well so what's next i mean when did the set is the second version wasn't it what, what was it yeah. called just... um so that was that was the second one was the esprino pico yes that's the one i've got so what was the first one called that was just the esprino right okay um, and so... When did the Pico come out? That last I, year? Yeah, I think it shipped in or started shipping in April last year. So it's it's been quite a while and I've sort of been been focusing on just kind of, you know, making sure I can get that in distributors so everyone can buy one when they want it and yeah, just kind of trying to publicise it a bit more. Mm. But chances are I'm but Bluetooth Low Energy is looking really, really exciting at the moment. There are some really, really interesting, sort of quite powerful Bluetooth low energy chips that will last for ages on the battery. And it's it seems like a great fit for them. Right. So you got your Pico, plug it into your computer, you put the mm. code on it, then you 
take it out of your computer, mm. presumably stick a battery on it. Yeah. I mean, how do you connect it to anything? It actually, you know, it's not as easy as something with a radio on it, but it provides you with a lot of flexibility. So at the moment, you can use Ethernet, you can use GSM, you, you can use Wi-Fi. There are two different types of Wi-Fi you can use. Or you can use various other types of radio. You can use LoRa, for instance. Or LoRa? That's a long range. It, it's a kind of low-ish frequency. So I, th- I think it's in the sort of 400 or 800 or 900 meg bands but very long range, so about, like, kilometres. There was a recent Kickstarter by something called The Thing Network, and they're trying to set up these networks with a, a base station in big cities. So I think Oxford probably has one. That There are, I think, about 50 around the world now where you'll be able to, for free, put one of these radios on and then sort of get simple access to the internet, like, you know, on-off reporting temperatures and stuff. Low bandwidth stuff. Yeah. That's really interesting. So with the other stuff you mentioned, Ethernet, Wi-Fi, are there special, like, add-ons for your board, or would it just be wiring it up yourself, or what? There are no special add-ons as such, but I make these little, just a little bit of PCB with all the connections on to, to map from one to the other. So you just kind of solder the board onto it, and then you solder the ethernet or the um, the wi-fi onto this extra bit of pcb which are called shins it's a kind of nice quick easy way of working and they're all again open source so you can just get them made at somewhere like osh park or, or I, I do sell them but yeah because i'm in the uk it... so if i get a wi-fi you're talking about the sp8266 yeah. so you can connect that and communicate over serial yes yeah, so, so that's that's the best one actually and the nice thing about that is that you only need four wires yeah you just ground power and um serial and the pico because i was shipping esp 8266s to some of the backers i had to really bump the power supply up so the power supply in the pico is good enough for you to just be able to connect the esp 8266 right to it yeah because the the wi-fi can draw i think it's almost 400 milliamps peak like, yeah. like for a fraction of a second so I, th- I think i've probably talked about the uh, SP8266 on the show before but just to remind everyone uh, it's a really cheap Wi-Fi chip isn't it? Yeah it's kind of like a Wi-Fi chip with a microcontroller on it as yeah. well. and so a lot of people are programming it with Arduino and it's got a few GPIOs and an analogue input and all that as well. Yeah. But you're not talking about that are you? You're talking about connecting it to a, a Pico but you yeah. can program a ESP chip with Esprino right? Yeah so you've got a choice now so usually you would put the what's called the AT command firmware on it. So the AT command firmware on the ESP8266 is firmware that talks over serial, so any of the network stuff connecting to Wi-Fi or even sending data can yeah. all purely be done over a serial connection. Yeah, so it's, it's a little bit like if you were talking via an old school modem or something. It's a bit like Fermata, isn't it? Yeah, yeah I suppose so, a little bit. bit. So you've got that, um, and, and usually that's the firmware that comes pre-installed on them. Yeah. But actually, some really committed people in the community have ported Esprino over to that board itself. So you've now got this you know, microcontroller with Wi-Fi, which you can get for just a few dollars. You can put Esprino on it and you can program it in JavaScript. You can even program it via Telnet. So like, it, it's completely a, a really neat little solution. So I'm just trying to figure out how you'd actually connect to that to start with. Yeah, so... Because with the Pico, you can just plug it into your computer, but with an ESP chip, I mean, how do you... Well, they, could, they can be a wireless access point. So, right. Um, 
I forget exactly whether this is enabled at the moment. You might have to use a USB to serial converter to set it up. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you have to connect to, the, to it first of all with over serial. Yeah, yeah. But it, it is possible to for there to be a build where it's an access point first, and then you can just log on to the access point and then configure it from that. Mm. So yeah, I mean that's uh, that's really exciting <laughs> things for that. You you don't get quite the same amount of free memory you would because obviously it's like. It's quite a powerful processor, but it's spending half its time doing Wi-Fi, and Wi-Fi always gets priority. Really, I was quite impressed with how much EEPROM there was on it. I remember correctly. Um, I'm not sure there's much EEPROM, but there's a lot of flash. Right, flash. Yeah, like, yeah, that's what I was thinking of. I think because surprising, like more than some of the Arduinos, even. Yeah, I'd, more than lots of them, I think. So I think it mostly the firmware uses the bottom 512k. Yeah, and then you can have over-the-air updates, which can use the upper 512. 12k so that you can kind of upload stuff to it and if it breaks halfway through it doesn't break your device sure but so that's like a megabyte and then i believe that a lot of the ones you can buy actually have four megabytes of flash so there's like loads of stuff left over Um, yeah getting into really hardcore details now (laughs) running and we're running out of time too um but before we finish up what's next are you going to do some more boards or yeah so at the moment i'm actually doing a board with this esp 866 wi-fi and a separate processor on board hmm. and, and really the, the reason for that is that with a more powerful second processor you can you can do things like HTTPS and TLS hmm. which realistically you it's kind just hard to do on those, yeah. those lower power chips isn't it so, yeah. so with the power of an ARM chip it's going to be really helpful yeah so that's going to be really good and then I'm also looking at later in the year doing a, a Bluetooth low energy device that, that'll kind of be a, an all in one sort of thing with, with a battery and a case and kind of nice easy to get started with because I think a lot of people are put off by you know just a board with a bunch of pins um, it would be nice to be able to open up doing fun home automation stuff yeah. and you- are you going to kick start those as well? So I'm not kickstarting the Wi-Fi one, but I'm thinking I might do the, um, in fact, probably will kickstart the Bluetooth low energy one because there's there's kind of a bit more to it in a way in terms of design and trying to get a case and everything. You know, it's I just need to be able to place a big order to yeah, get sure. the price down enough. Great. It's been so interesting. Definitely stay in touch. Love to have you back yeah, when well some do. of your other stuff comes out. Oh, Thanks. Brilliant. Thank you. Thank you. Massive thanks this week to our special guest, Gordon Williams. And you can find him on Twitter at Esprino, and that is spelt E-S-P-R-U-I-N-O. You can also follow us at CC underscore pod, me at Seb underscore L-Y. If you're enjoying the show, then please consider supporting us on Patreon. Your donations really help to keep us going. You can get us there at patreon.com forward slash creative coding. Thanks so much for listening. Bye.